Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hello, I'm Richard Hattersley, and welcome to No Account for Taste, a podcast for accountants from accountingweb.co.uk. In a week where the Prime Minister unveiled his roadmap to exit lockdown, we're looking ahead now to the next week's budget. What additional support will Rishi Sunak provide these businesses as the economy cautiously reopens? Will we see the furlough scheme extended yet again? What about business rates? We'll discuss this and the latest budget rumours swirling around Westminster on today's show. So joining me to give a rundown on the runners and riders in the 3rd of March budget is Accountant Web's Tic Tac man, John Stockdyke. Roll up, roll up, folks. It's budget week here on AWeb. We've got a good line of uh, short, short-priced runners and riders for you to report. Thank you, John. And as tradition at this time of year, we're delighted to welcome back to the show Practice Web's head of content and keen budget watcher. It is, of course, Ray Newman. Hi, Ray. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Pleased to be here. Yes, getting the team all geared up for next Wednesday as we prepare for either a massive or a tiny budget, depending on what happens, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about today. Yep, more on that later. But before we consider the contenders of this year's budget, we're going to race through the big stories hitting the accountancy world this week. So what are the top three stories on Accounting Web? Well, at number three this week, the third most read story was a piece by Rebecca Cave, a tax editor. And it was about whether there will be monthly reports needed with uh, HMRC's making tax digital regime. So Rebecca says 4 million taxpayers will need to submit quarterly plus end of year periods reports for each trade and property business leading to multiple submissions for different periods under MTD for income tax. Rebecca uh, provided an example of, um, of one potential client and there was um, a number of um, MTD reports that will be needed for this particular person. She said at at total of 20 reports from this example that she gave. So understandably, the accounting web community was um, up in arms about this uh, prospect, uh, to say the least, wasn't that, John? Wasn't it, John? It, it wasn't. I mean, it didn't hit the heights, you know, it didn't pick the charts in terms of traffic, but uh, I, I saw it this morning with 176 comments, probably going on to its third page, uh, just just kind of an outpouring of bile and, and you know, members venting their frustration. I think bonkers, bonkers, bonkers was um, one comment and, and someone saying it's four years since the whole thing was project and can they really not have sorted out the rep- reporting periods yet? Um, I mean, Rebecca did just, it was a you know, very simple example of a builder who, who had a trade, a VAT registered builder, so he did his usual uh, VAT reporting at one period, but then his, um, he, he had a kind of, I think, a trading income as well from another business, so that had a separate uh, time sequence, but uh, his, and then uh, she imagined he was running a, a uh, furnished holiday let business as well, that that would be aligned to it. I think it was the same reporting period, but he had to report it separately. So that's, and then there was the, I think a total of four end of year reports that bumped it up to the 20. So it wasn't an outrageously complicated scenario, but um, it did drive people mad. The fact that 
these things haven't been aligned uh, as we're getting, you know, we're now actually getting into the pilot phase, just a month or two away when that's that's likely to the doors will be opening to piloting this. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 not going to go away. The complications, I think, people, you know, it's it's always was going to be the big one, and it was that that frightened practitioners the most, and and sort of, I mean, Rebecca. I doesn't don't don't think she deliberately likes to go heap the misery onto our our readers, but but I guess it's forewarning them that that all of the complexities and and administrative sort of burdens that that you know were mooted um, haven't mysteriously gone away. It's not suddenly killed off the the self assessment return. It's it's just supplemented it with lots of niggly ones. So we're we're obviously going to be coming back to that over the years to come. We there was a bit of a spat that developed. One one member, I won't name name the member, but they they kind of said they could see the rationale from HMRC's point of view. It, it was um, you know, why do self employed businesses, you know, get the ability to you know pay a year in arrears on on the earnings they make, you know, where, whereas if they are, they should it shouldn't be that big a burden for them to keep quarterly figures, and why not pay the tax when it's due at the end of the quarter, like they like they do with VAT. Um, that that member got a little bit of a short shrift from his fellow practitioners. Um, so so you know that argument there are, there are those who do see the rationale and think maybe the record keeping more re- more regular record keeping would benefit business even if paying more of the tax more immediately would not while it works for hme's benefit um the one sideline as well we've it's a sort of related thing in the undergrowth is uh, we've also seen a revival of the people saying you know dragons den like that they're out these are practitioners who were a separate thread on any answers who are now saying that i'm getting it's i'm getting on a bit now i've got a very small micro practice but you know, this is a step too far. I think I think it's time to spend more time with the petunias. <laughs> uh, how about yourself, Ray? Have you managed to take a look at the comments in the piece and uh, any thoughts about the uh, the looming MTD regime? Yeah, I, I think this is a fascinating story. And, and I think there are a couple of things that leap out. One is that it illustrates the tendency of government to model almost the sort of the ideal taxpayer rather than try even sort of trying to break their own system sometimes so it seems like what Rebecca's done is as you say that she does very well is is just come up with a fairly simple deviation from the very basic ideal taxpayer model and suddenly everything seems a bit uh, a bit mad and doesn't quite work um but I think what's interesting with MTD is that there is a to an extent I think the government is saying yes we would like everyone to actually change their behavior and conform to that model of an ideal taxpayer who, who, as you say, keeps records um, perfectly digitally and uh, it shouldn't be a problem if you're doing what the government, if you're behaving in the way the government is trying to nudge people into behaving, uh, there shouldn't be anything here that's particularly scary. Um, but obviously for accountants, the culture change, the idea that, you know, the value they could bring was that considered approach to a tax return based, you know, reviewing a year's worth of, of, of business activity and pulling it all together into almost a presentation of the facts and here actually that's being taken away from them and it's that getting closer and closer to genuine real-time reporting it it sort of yeah it cuts the accountant out in to some degree and, and makes simultaneously makes more work for them and, and gives them less opportunity to do their thing really uh, you've got to look at it from the perspective of the practitioner's internal processes and, and i think we that's what we will delve into because you've we've got firms who have structured themselves to deal with the annual 
annual batch process of all those returns. But you know, every single month is going to have a different tranche of clients um, needing to get their records straight for for the period end and for filing. And so, and they'll need to be chasing some while they maybe make sure they've got authorizations and everything sorted out for the previous period for the the other group, you know, the the preceding group of, of filers from the previous month. So so just in terms of managing the tr- client traffic, something, you know, the, the, the complexity is just, you know, 12 times 20. Uh, it's just it's just ex- exponentially exploded, let alone then all the, the new systems that they're going to have to, you know, there's loads of traditional tax and practice software that's going to have to be chucked out and replaced. So that's not an insignificant transition for the practice practitioners to have to consider. So I, I feel for them, you know, it's, it's, it's a daunting prospect. Um, and, and as I say, you can see some people just are, 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 are at their wits end as far as being able to commit themselves to that path. But we're going to surely uh, talk more about MTD over the coming months, weeks, years to come. Uh, next story, the second most read story, is the news that the income tax thresholds and allowances have been set for 2021-22, and tax rates for Scotland have been announced as well. So um, tax tables, it feels like something we're going to be uh, wrestling with over the next few weeks with the, the budget uh, coming up on the 3rd of March, as we shall be discussing later on. Um, any Anything you found particularly interesting about about the reaction to this piece, John? Um, just, I think it's a sign that that practitioners are already thinking, you know, getting ready for the uh, beginning of the new tax year. So um, this allows them to set, you know, to maybe populate their own tax tables. There was also a question: the rates usually appear in the November budget, so it gives that that extra forward planning time. Uh, so there were some rumours circulating whether we'd see tweaks to the thresholds uh, or rates um you know maybe some nic reforms or or tinkering to to lessen the burden on people so so it's quelled any um speculation in that area and as i say i think we we will consolidate the the tax and nic tables into a budget special edition uh so you know bray you know this more than any of us on practice web that our our accountants generally do do love those concise technical summaries you know the quick reference place they can go back to regularly when you know when like me you can never remember what rate applies when yeah it's interesting actually because obviously the content we produce is is for accountants clients so we write everything generally with um with businesses in mind but it's interesting how many of our clients say to us that they actually use what we produce as as crib sheets or as kind of reference material so things like tax cards and our year-end tax guide we know copies of those kind of end up lying around on people's desks as a, as a handy reference yeah excellent well let's move now on to our most read story of this past week and we have the author on the line as well it's, it is of course our john stockdike so john you you uh, you secure the gold medal this week for your story on the new IR35 guidance. What's happening? With the the dates are getting closer to the the rollout, isn't it? They are indeed. I think for those again, another sorry to scotch another pre-budget uh, uh, punt from people hoping against hope that maybe there'd be a last-minute reprieve on the off-payroll rules for for the private sector. But um, I think the appearance of HMRCs it was. It was it was sort of a 
Yeah, well, I guess it was it was kind of, it was it was confirming that it would this soft landing that Rishi Sunak has already trailed. So it was HMRC kind of documenting what the soft landing approach would look like. Um, so it will be, um, to, you know, the, the, it, it, it's very much Ray used the phrase sort of nudging. They want to support taxpayers. The old phrase want to support taxpayer or sorry, they want to support customers. You know, they still love to dish that phrase up. Uh, to pay the right tax and to you know, help them to to you know, successfully comply with with the regime. So there's there's lots of guidance. Um, there's some a whole education section. I think they were just letting people know that existed um, and discussing you know that that yep the regime is coming in, but they won't they won't come down hard on it initially. Uh, so all very supportive, helpful. Um, and, and and you know the old the new look HMRC with it it's it's kind of avuncular sort of hand over the shoulder kind of approach, uh, but you know the usual suspects who have been lobbying on behalf of their contractor and and freelance members uh, uh, contractor calculators Dave Cal- Chap- Chaplin was was in very quickly, um, you know they talked about HMRC's. You know, hasn't been quite so friendly to some taxpayers that it's taken to tribunal on on um, their you know the Kay Adams story. I think was one of our big ones two weeks ago. Uh, so so HMRC is willing to fight quite regularly on its assessments of of um, whether people are caught by R thirty five or not. And the contractor specialist has always pointed out how how badly it tends to fare at tribunal. Um, and so they're they're predicting a an increase in you know determinations if 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 a you know it's but it's going to involve the companies now if a company determines that that the contractor is caught by R thirty five and the contractor disagrees um, you know you've got a legal tangle between them so you know it's it's suddenly putting friction on that relationship rather than with HMRC and there's also warnings thrown up about of course the there's a penalty regime that includes our old friends careless and deliberate errors in there so so hmrc could start actually coming after people and and seeking you know enhanced premium you know enhanced penalties for what it deems to be poor process in in applying the determinations or calculating the the amounts due so it's a thick it, you know i've just it's a 20 year old problem that Maybe you know this is the latest attempt to resolve it, but um, it's 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 not an easy one. And, and you can see from the scale of traffic, we we do seem to attract a lot of passing trade when we do talk about the taxation of of contractors and and sole direct you know sole single company directors. Uh, but it's 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 still you know one of those red buttons that we know when we do publish something on accounting web, we we get a very strong reaction from the audience. So Ray is a 20-year-old problem, as John said, a 20-year-old problem that many people hoped the budget would perhaps even delay or postpone. But it feels as if, as John said at the beginning there, that has been uh, ticked off the list and is definitely not going to be uh, included in the budget, or so we would as- assume. So maybe that's one last, last thing to um, consider when it comes to next week, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does feel as if this is the final stage, but then I, I'm... I'm getting to the point, I think, as I'm sure a lot of people are, where I, I've seen the government over the last few years stamp their feet several times and say, this is it, it's definitely happening, this is the final implementation, no more delays, 
And then at the crunch point, they say, oh, go on, then have another delay. So I, I wouldn't absolutely bet on it until until it's definite. Um, and I, I, I think it was interesting in something you said there, John, about the you know, avuncular HMRC. I mean, you've been at this game a lot longer than I have, but it really seems to me that some, it's almost becoming the norm to do this um, this soft landing, soft, you know, light touch penalty stuff for almost every every new policy that comes in. And, and I wonder to what extent people might start to expect that as the norm. And, um, you know, it, rather than a policy being delayed, it's brought in, but is brought in with and effectively not enforced very, very hard at all for the first year or two. Do you think, do you think that's likely to become the norm? I guess behaviour to be getting there, but is it perhaps because, you know, get your policies right first time and we might not quite need so many soft landings and tra- transitional, delicate transitional arrangements, um, you know, possibly consult, although you can't say that if they haven't consulted a lot about IR35, but then the consultation process doesn't always seem to take on board the, the main criticisms. I mean, I, th- I think the soft landing, I think some of the content indicated that that there has been some give and take and and they you know the education image going forward has that shows that IR, shows that hmrc has been at least listening to the to the main gripes of the professional bodies so there's there's some concessions but i think i think you're um you're right i guess i, I probably do expect to see this you know i are looking at mtd you know that was that was the classic soft landing something that, that again delay 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 switch horses delay you know, this, so this is something that was supposed to happen i think we, we were supposed to be doing making tax digital from uh 2000 april 2018 so we're uh you know that's expanded by five years and it's still proving to be a bit, a bit intractable and i think even with two years of pilot testing you're probably right i'm sure there will be lots of talk of soft landings and 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 working with ta- customers to help them p- comply and pay the right amount of tax at the right time yep yeah it's it's that classic it's it's the agile in fact this is this is the philosophy is we've talked about this before um about hmrc's in the tax authority that is should be steered by legislation and you know and the things that it Im- implements are defined by law and unfortunately they've got got in with the trendy software developers who are all all about agile where they they like to develop a minimum viable product and release it on the market and then let all the users be guinea pigs to refine you know to work the kinks out while it's live in the air so we're we're now beta testing hmrc's products all over the shop rather than having them actually solidly tested and 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 pre-tested and you know having the kinks ironed out before they're mandated or imposed on the public. So, so yeah, it's 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 HMRC is getting trendy and and adaptive, when that might not necessarily be the most appropriate approach for something as should that should be as straightforward and black and white as what tax you pay and how you report it. Well, let's move now over to our main event of today's podcast, which is, of course, the budget predictions. We have the budget on the 3rd of March. Uh, Still, we've seen some leaks, some rumors, some kite flying exercises over the past several weeks. And now as we're getting closer and closer, it's a perfect time to place our bets on which will which uh, which of these proposals, which of these initiatives will be laid um, laid out by Rishi Sunak. 
at the budget. So he feels like he's pretty handcuffed with the Conservative manifesto committing to freezing the rates of NIC, VAT and income tax. So he hasn't got much, much room to budge. But is he going to use this budget to um, make any grandstanding grand uh, announcements or is it going to be more business as usual? Ray, what's your thoughts? It's really tricky to make a call, isn't it? And I, and I, I don't want to be laughed at in a fortnight's time, but my gut feeling at the moment, just marginally, is that it's going to be a bit of business as usual, sort of holding the fort. I, I think a few months ago, it all depends on to what extent we are over the COVID crisis. And I think we've now got this timeline from the Prime Minister, regardless of anything else, which says we won't be over anything in any meaningful sense till at least June. Um, and I think that signals that this budget is going to be a um, keep things afloat budget. And then we'll, we might have that serious post-COVID budget in November, which is you know has always been a possibility. But yeah, my, my feeling is that maybe a month or two ago, he was expecting to do a bit more than he will actually do next week. I, I've, I've got a feeling it will be a little bit less exciting than we might have thought a while ago. Yeah, Jonas Ray said that the Prime Minister unveiled his roadmap uh, earlier this week as we're recording. And the questions from the opposition we're asking about any financial support and uh, Boris Johnson almost used this as a trailer for the budget. Join us next week where we, we shall tell you more. Leave on a cliffhanger like it's a TV show. Absolutely. Yep. I think it's, uh, I've been preparing, we've got a live blog that we we've, we're going to be running on the day that I just, because, because of the announcements on Monday, I, I just had to start it early because it, it was, it was literally the budget trailer um, and there have been a few, but not so much leaks, just housekeeping announcements from the Treasury, where 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 they have sig- they've signaled pretty clearly what the intention is: is that the the housekeeping is they made Treasury made it very explicit that that there'll be the main announcements will come on the, the sort of immediate announcements will come on the third of March, then there'll be the usual sort of seven to ten day wait for the draft legislation to show up, so the Finance Act. But then they've also said two, uh, 20 days later, on the 23rd of March, they will then bring forward all those consultation documents and policies that, that, are, that are on the shelf. So basically anything, anything long-term and difficult, they're going to take out to public consultation. So, so they are taking a more you know, incremental, slow burn, uh, collaborative approach to the major policy changes. So they're all being targeted at let's consult over summer and we'll tell you what we're going to do in November and then they then properly consults. So they've they've now signaled that very clearly, just as much as Boris Johnson did on Monday, when he's, you know, it's it's financial stuff. It's gonna be the, you know, the Chancellor will will have his say on the third of March. Now I I think Labour are doing quite well exploiting the information vacuum. Because they've sort of left left businesses dangling, they they've made it clear that the, you know, uh, that the lockdown will will extend beyond the twenty the thirty first of April. But companies want to know what kind of financial support is there, and and so specialist industries, you know, the hospitality and arts and, and venue people, are all and, and travel are all kind of gnawing their teeth, you know, the knuckles and lobbying and, ma- and making some disgruntled noises in the press because they're having to live for, for they can't really plan until they hear what Sunak says. So it's all again Johnson and his grand political stage management. Uh, uh, I think I think for Rishi Sunak, I think it's you know if you think back to what was his high point, you know of, of the his, his period as Chancellor, and it was that 
basking in the public acclaim for the authority and the the sort of comfort he brought to everyone uh, in last year's budget. It really was his finest hour. So I think he just wants to do Coronavirus 2, the sequel, you know, Richie Richie Rides Back. It's going to be extending things and expanding things and, you know, more of the same. I think it's going to be sort of, yeah, as you say, just just extending that the, the regime we've had for the past year a bit longer until we can be in a position to have a serious conversation about what comes next. So the, the big story of the day being the, the stamp duty um, land tax uh, holiday extension, which people have been saying people have been stamping their feet and demanding, no pun intended, for, for months. Um, and it was kind of obvious it was going to happen. And yet, you know, until it until it was announced or until it was leaked, rather, you, you there was no way to say it was definitely going to happen. But it just feels like another one of those things that, as you were saying, the Labour Party have had have had a field day really for the last six months, knowing that the government was going to have to buckle and announce certain policies. So it was able to say we we believe the Prime Minister or the Chancellor should do the following, and it must happen, knowing full well that eventually it would have to happen, and the government would look like they caved in to the Shadow Chancellor's demands. So it's been it's been a an interesting time for them not that they've made much capital from it in terms of polling and stuff but it's been an opportunity for them to look like they're sort of leading the charge and the government is following at times well ray you've already mentioned one of those the stamp duty holiday which will probably which will probably be extended let's look at some of the other safe bets which will make up what we're going to be calling the rishi sunak greatest hits tour um this the first one obviously furlough is, is bound to be extended surely isn't it um they've they've all but said it um so right feels like that is one which you could safely say is going to happen i'd be very surprised if they didn't and and although people have talked about well perhaps they'll stagger it based on as certain sectors are able to open over according to the roadmap that was announced by far the easiest thing to do administratively is just extend it you then avoid a lot of arguments and, and debate um, and also when you've got something like an end point on everything as well, it means you can actually calculate the cost rather than that terrifying thought that it might be, you might be entering into something that's going to last for three years. You can say, well, we know when the end point is, we know what the cost is going to be. It's terrifying, but at least it's kind of finite. Uh, but Ray, you make the mistake there. Of course, they've got to find some way just to tweak it so it isn't so administratively convenient and they can torment all the accountants once more with it. You know, so it, uh, I think I think yeah the the the, the sort of op, you know the the possible the you know the the not the cert but you know the the short odds possibilities it will the the sectors which you know so there'll be all sorts of hoops you'll, I think we had it before with uh, the VAT you know with the the hospitality um, attraction and any you know, the the catering at hospitality and attractions so uh, definition for the VAT. Uh, uh, the reduced VAT rate. We may get things like that, so so people will have to spend you know weeks trying to work out whether they're entitled to the fur- continue the furlough or not. That's that's quite a big possibility. So yeah, so furlough fur- furlough mark four, I think it would be. <laughs> I, I've it, much like the police academy films, John. I've lost count. Um, the other dead thing, well, uh, business rates, John. I know this is something which you're you've been wrestling with on the site okay um yeah the the business well the business the the serious question of business rights review is one of those topics they very clearly signaled that will be they, they're going to push that into november and there will be a document discussing some of the options or ideas released in that 23rd of march batch of, of consultation documents 
but the the rates holiday or an extra grant i mean they they've um put dribs and drabs out in different again why have why have one simple holiday when you can have various discretionary grants and sector specific support schemes so I guess yeah, that will be. I, I would I expect to see some 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 relief there. Maybe you know, would it be as will it be as simple as just a, an extension date? We can hope so, but but I'm sure the the opportunity for 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 the odd twist and turn is it there. So, so yeah, I think that's that's a safe bet. We'll call that one, but the exact form will still give that hint of mystery for for me on uh, on the third. And the other safe bet is the uh, self-employed income support scheme part four, which uh, I, I believe is is due on the budget as well. Um, let's look at some of the rumours. Uh, Ray, what's some of your favourite rumours you, you've seen? I know there's there's been a number which have been out there and they've been uh, the, the kites have been flying in the uh, the broadsheets. So which which have you picked up? Well, obviously, the one that's most interesting is that is the talk of the corporation tax uh, rise, and um, I, and I've got no idea how likely that is. My gut feeling is at the moment this, this will not be the time to do it. When you've got businesses saying we're on the verge of collapse, um, and this would not be the time to sort of raise tax, and and it also just feels like something that it feels a bit like last year when we were um, before the the budget proper rather than the emergency um, COVID announcements that there was talk of. Um, inheritance tax being being uh, fundamentally changed or whatever and things like that that just sort of it feels like as you say just testing the water or even just you know pure gossip in the void where we commentators grasping around for something exciting to talk about and I, I, i'm not sure i don't i don't feel that it's likely we'll see a corporation tax rise but it's the one i'm most interested in in it'll be the biggest story if it happens uh, i'm with you there ray though the um I, I, you know, I think the government, the, the treasury, and, and and the press people are making it very clear, could be very coronavirus focused. You know, nothing, nothing to frighten the horses here. It's all about, you know, you know, we're just going to give a nice, clear message that it will do whatever it takes to get the country through the pandemic. Anything, anything a bit tricky or or or, or controversial, kick it into November. But in that, you know, just as the Labour Party's exploiting the, the sort of policy vacuum to make them look like the the clear-sided things is that, that i think the vacuum is just it's just encouraging more and more wild punts so so the one i'm, I'm interested in is the online sales tax or uh so because we, you know almost like a windfall tax on um the the online sellers to sort of equal and equal a raise some quick cash and b try and equalize the competition with uh brick-based you know high street retailers when when they get a chance to reopen but um you know aren't, aren't we in the middle of a digital services tax already you know hasn't that done its job effectively so so i i i really do think this is just uh you know specialist journalists on the nationals you know filling space and then you know talking to wilder and wilder uh, ex you know academics and tax academics out in the field so so I think that I think the rumors the rumors are literally just that's the usual. I mean, the, unfortunately, the government does its best to sort of stir this up by leaking so many things that are true. It is a uh, it's not so much fake news, but just a few really so much misinformation, and including some genuine 
facts amongst the misinformation. Nobody knows. It, it, it's just let's let's sow a, a miasma of confusion, and that seems to be the new way of uh, responding to you know of preparing for these great statutory events. I, th- I think yeah, I was just going to say just generally. I, th- I think it's been commented on that this is also to some degree their approach to policy more generally is to float lots of ideas see which ones annoy people the least and then that's the one that you confirm is is policy and the others were just uh dreadful rumors being spread by uh by scoundrels so you know and and, it, and it's a it's an effective approach to a degree i think really so um i suppose the only problem is with with a lot of potential stuff for the budget around tax rises nobody likes any of it so i say yeah the, the principle is which is the thing that will annoy the fewest people the least uh one of these uh wild uh, rumours was the proportional property tax, which uh, came out a, a few weeks back. I know it's been gathering uh, momentum and, and there's been a few backers for this particular scheme. But with the, uh, the stamp duty holiday likely to be extended, it, don't, it doesn't seem as if now is the time to tinker with, with this part, with this particular tax. Is that what you're sort of feeling, Ray? Yeah, I think as much as I said at the start, it feels like this is going to be about maintaining the current state and the current state is, um, you know, that stamp duty land tax from from the um, last year is sort of still a, a live policy. There's been a lot of clamouring for that just to be, again, soft landing territory to either be slowly phased out or extended so, so that, you you know, you don't have that jolt to people who um, who are relying on it to, to purchase property. So I feel like we're just still in that phase and that it will be, once that's ended, that we move into the next phase, we might start to see tinkering with more substantial tinkering with property tax. Um, and I know the other interesting thing that was the Office for Tax Simplification's recommendation on harmonising CGT with income tax, and that was a pretty strong recommendation. Um, but it feels like that's gone pretty quiet, really. The, uh, the conversation around that. Well, it, it it does seem as if the third of March we, we've got a few safe bets there, especially around the coronavirus support package. I'm sure there's going to be a few extensions there, maybe, uh, you, you never know. There might be a few uh, more announcements on maybe potentially even some some loan support. You never know. But what's your, your wild card? What's the one thing which, if, if you were going to have a, um, a complete shot in the dark and, and you would just predict something which... Who knows if it would come true? What would you What would you uh, suggest, John? What would be your crazy scheme, which you would wouldn't would you would be surprised if it would happen, but um, uh, it wouldn't surprise you at the same time? As I say, I'm dampening down as many rumours as I can. Um, I had a little flash of I wouldn't say inspiration, but but maybe hope uh, when Ray talked about the. Um, it, it's not a massive one, but the. Um, the capital gains was it was it capital sorry i just re- realized I, got to, I mistook whether it was capital gains or, in, or inheritance tax it was right? capital gains to be aligned with income tax was with the ots recommendation yeah. yeah okay i think i think both rebecca cave and um uh tina richards opted you know put their backing behind that and with with that powerhouse of intellect uh, backing it, it it sounds a like it's it's almost actually a, a genuine step towards simplification. It's not that um, that that complicated to implement, and you know there might be a few pennies attached to it for the, the exchequer too. So, so the fact you said that it's all gone quiet around that, maybe this is that's the one that uh, put, gets my suspicion up. Maybe maybe if the, it's not being leaked, maybe that's because somebody's just putting the final T's and dots on the uh, 
on the draft legislation or on the uh, policy document on the tin. So, so maybe I, I quite I quite quite grasped to that one as as maybe a little sign of hope for for some a step towards simplification. So that's my crazy idea. Ray, have you got a crazy idea? Certainly not crazy, but possibly a bit of wishful thinking. But I think reading the uh, that the mood has changed a bit around hospitality in particular. I think and last year. Last year, it felt like a lot of people were basically saying, um, my industry deserves a special special treatment, but also uh, I don't want to pay any more tax to, to pay for it in years to come. Uh, and I think hospitality got sort of swept up in that, people spe- uh, pleading for sort of special treatment. But it really does feel that they are drawing the short straw this year in terms of the, the um, opening up of business. So, you know, non-essential retail gets to open before before hospitality does in any meaningful way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, just because I think that industry really is actually in trouble, some kind of um, additional support for hospitality in, in perhaps a more meaningful way than we've had in the past with things like ETAC to help out. And the um, the, the VAT rate um, cut last year that didn't apply to beer, for example, much of the frustration of the hospitality industry. So yeah, it might be it might be something along those lines, which is just a bit more generous to see them through to to June or July. Well, we're rapidly run out of time, but in one word then, Ray, do you think the Chancellor is going to um, offer some additional support for the 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 three million that's been excluded, the uh, the people who have uh, fallen through the cracks, as as the uh, the campaign group said? What do you reckon, Ray? What's your thinking? Well, yes. I can't believe he hasn't done it already. He's been under such pressure, which makes me think he's not going to cave at this point, to be honest. So um, m- much as I think there is a strong case for it, I think if he's resisted the calls up to this point when he's been caving in left, right and centre under pressure from other other areas, I suspect he's going to stick to his guns and just say, sorry, chaps, we're almost we're almost through. Bad luck. Uh, John, uh, we know Rebecca Seeley Harris, a contributor on the County Web, has um, been instrumental in a... Uh, in a scheme which could perhaps be that that safety net which this particular group are looking for but what do you think do you think that will come to fruition on budget day um i i, I was the one i've had to write up the um, i don't recognize that number um which i had around about two weeks ago uh you know maybe maybe has the blinkers fallen maybe maybe the public outcry and the, the surge of traffic on accounting web might have knocked the blinkers from the chancellor's eye but i suspect i suspect he's probably not that nimble or agile about his policy planning i think that was def- getting his getting in his retaliation early so i i think maybe not you know, I, I hate to i hope rebecca rebecca's not listening to this and uh comes gunning after me but it would be a pleasant surprise for the uh say the three million people sort of who got fell between the cracks if they got got a little bit of extra support well all will be revealed at the budget on the 3rd of march remember accountable will be there on the day with our tax brains trust to unpick all of the guidance and we'll also have a collaborative download with our good friends at Practice Web in the coming days after the budget with all of the information as well. So stay tuned for that. And Ray, what can we expect from Practice Web? Um, so my colleague James Martini, who is our sort of resident news hand, is, is leading on the budget reporting. Um, he's written a piece on his predictions for what might be in the budget, which is on the Practice Web blog at practiceweb.co.uk forward slash knowledge. Um, um, he's going to be leading the production of a report on the day, working with a team of practicing accountants who will 
we'll all watch the speech, I would say, together, but virtually together. Um, and then those guys will pick through all of the background briefings and papers, much as the Accounting Web Brains Trust will be doing, to look for all the stuff that wasn't in the speech. Um, and then we'll be working through to about midnight to turn around a report which will go out to all of our clients with their logos on uh, before breakfast the next morning. And we're also going to be doing some videos and some um, bulletins and things throughout the day. So there'll just be a fairly constant flow of, uh, of news and, and readouts from us that will be going out via our clients to their clients to uh, help people. I mean, you know, as you know, the insatiable hunger for information on support around COVID-19 has, hasn't quite let up yet. So I think people will be quite hungry for information on any of the support measures that are announced. Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening today. Be sure to join us on accountweb.co.uk for all your budget news and also all the news from the world of accountancy. But until next time, I've been Richard Hattersley. Thank you, John, and thank you, Ray, for joining us. And we'll see you again on the site. Bye for now.